What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort yeah. welcome to j.m a production of iHeartRadio. yeah Hello, everybody. What's up? This is J.Ill, the podcast. This is Jill Scott. This is Asia R. Graydon Dantzler. This is Laia. I hate saying my whole name. St. Clair. A <laughs> whole line. My whole nine. My whole nine. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Today, we are talking about our mothers. We're talking about humanizing our mothers. What does that mean? That means the moment when you realize that your mama, your the sainted, halo-wearing, handle everything, do everything, <laughs> can be all things mother, is a person, a human being, just like yourself. I feel like we should do a disclaimer to our mothers. Even yours, Asia. I know she's not with us, but she's listening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she will make herself known, honey. Listen. Trust and believe. <laughs> Some shit will fall off this table in 242 seconds. <laughs> Ever don't tell my business in this here goddamn podcast, y'all. <laughs> I know that there is a whole book, there is a whole play about my sweet mama. There is, but I have to wait. <laughs> you don't have to wait. I'm going to have to wait. Wait till she. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Don't want no problems with Joyce. I don't want no problems with her either. <laughs> My mother is 6'1", people. 
My mother has been 6'1 my whole life, and she's fast. Come on. So, so what's your disclaimer, Jill, as we go into this conversation? Because you know Mama, she... I, 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 this this your daughter. I, I love you so much. Uh, I don't want no smoke. I don't want no <laughs> trouble with you. Uh, we're just talking about the moments that you realize that your mother is a human being. I'm going to talk about her mother. My grandmother. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start there. That's easier. Let's start there. Ooh, yes. I'm going to start there. This might be a lot for people, but, you know, this is what it is. So my grandmother is, uh, at the time, she was she was slowly fading. And, oh, you see that? Mm-hmm. You heard that? I heard it. All right. Okay. I don't want no smoke with you either, my mom. I don't, Blue. I don't. Okay. I told right. you. Let me, so, let me move my purse off this table. You know, let me I make sure. I don't want my shit to hit the floor. Oh, Mess Lord, up my God. money for the next few months. That was a you sign know? they paying attention. Go ahead, Jill. Just, you know, walk with caution. I, I am. I am. It, it, it. Okay, here we go. So, Blue. All right. <laughs> so, my grandmother has... Uh, I've gone to her to find out how she was doing. She knew she was going to pass. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, was she scared? And she said, for what? She said, I'm good with my God. And I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm ready to stop this. So don't you worry. That's where her head and heart was. Mm -hmm. But before she left, my mother said she went to her and was like, Mom, I have a very real question to ask you. Now, mind you, the two of them, they spent a lot of time together. And she says, Mom, did you did you ever have an orgasm? Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And my mom says she smiled real hard and looked off into yonder and said my grandfather's name. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That moment, my mother said, at that time, she said, I realized that my mother, I knew she had a life. She mm. said, but she was she was actually having a life with someone, you know, that she shared her time with, someone that she laughed with. Like, she knew those things, but it was like some distant thing. You know, when your mom is hugged up with somebody, you're like, ah, you know, you kind of pass it off. You don't really take the time to enjoy the fact that someone is loving and kind and generous and sweet to your mom. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think of, like, what, like far as humanizing my grandmother for my mother, humanizing my mother for me, boy, Wait, I I, I got to I got to hold on on this oh, one. Oh, okay. You want to take a break for a second? <laughs> I, yeah, I got to I got to place it where it needs to be now. I don't want no trouble. I tell you, I don't want no trouble. You you have to forgive me today. I have a country in my mouth. I've I've been oh, <laughs> I've I've been doing dialect coaching for the last. That is his nickname, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Focus. I'm sorry, Jill. You were explaining your dialect. I'm, I'm doing dialect coaching, so I'm slipping in and out occasionally. Just uh-huh. shut up. Y'all so nasty. I love you for that. Learn it from listening to you, Jill Scott. <laughs> I learned it from listening to you. 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 Listening to you. You. So Biology did that heifers. <laughs> that that, that thing was natural. And, genealog- and genealogy, dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we go. Natural. 
I mean, my grandmother was a very, I don't want to say complicated, but like a complex individual. You know, she had like a very interesting childhood. She was from rural Virginia. She had become a part of a family that had two sets of children being raised in the same household. So two sets meaning her mother and children from her father and someone else. So marriage and relationships and stuff like that really in many ways probably represented a bit of an escape. She also grew up in a household where lots of very um, quote unquote fair skinned people were. She was very vibrant. She was a young mother. She knew what it was to be a mother alone with no one at a time when that wasn't really happening as much. And she was very much had just so much energy and she was like so full. And so as a kid, my experience with her as a kid was just like, my Nana is so fun because she always had this really youthful, vibrant energy because I just feel like she always wanted to kind of be a kid because she didn't really get that chance to like kid kid. Mm. So she kid kid kidded with us, you know what I'm saying? So I just always kind of loved that about her. But the thing that humanized her for me was the things I disliked about her. I did not like the way that she treated my mom. They had a very complicated relationship and that, that I'm still unpacking to this day. And so my Nana and I, what humanized her for me was just trying to come to terms with whether or not I could really rock with her. Right. <laughs> and because I was so protective of my own mother. And I remember that my mom one time, my grandmother said something to my mom. Mm -hmm. And I stepped in there and I tried to defend my mother. Mm. And... Mm. Mm. My mom went off on me. My mother wasn't a big hitter, but I could tell she was like, she's about to hit me. Mm -hmm. And she's like, don't you ever in your life speak to my mother like that? And I was like, okay. <laughs> there were lots of different moments with my grandmother like that. I witnessed my grandmother grieve a child that preceded her in death. That was another thing that really humanized her for me. Mm -hmm. Watching her go from being a woman who literally had it all together for me. House immaculate. Always in tune with the moment. Always that was a thing. present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always present. When I saw her grieve and grieve hard, I couldn't speak, couldn't talk. Wailing like the sound of like a banshee wailing. You know, oh. the type of ancestral wailing. Oh, that's the worst. Mm -hmm. Those were moments for me where I looked at her and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a whole person. Yeah. This is a, this is definitely a whole person. Yeah, I love that we all have different moments. I was listening to y'all moments of like humanizing and I was thinking about my grandma. And it's funny because I, I thought about Jill's moments and I was like, well, as far as my grandma, I always knew she was somewhat sexual because she had been married twice. She had five children and she had three different fathers to build those five children, right? So I always knew that my grandmother, she was a very fly grandmother. She was one of those people that you hear and you go, oh, that's your mom? Nope, that's my grandma with a whole bunch of jewelry. She fly, whatever. Yeah. But she was also very fly, but very like strict mm. in her home. You didn't say, mm-mm, uh-uh, you get plucked in the head. She was very about getting the switch. She was very about beating you. And, you know, for a long time, I didn't like my grandmother because my parents had divorced when I was six and I ended up living with my mother and my grandmother and she was still just as strict and it was worse because <laughs> I lived with her, <laughs> which is strange because, you know, turn around now, she became my best friend like 20 years later. But Me all too. I can say, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. and you just appreciated all those moments. Yep. But the moment that humanized my grandmom for me was 
seeing as strong as she was and as strict as she was and as no nonsense as she was and not about the white man and all this other stuff, when it came to her own sons and their ways, I just didn't appreciate the way she handled. She had two sons that to me were just, I want to be nice about this because I liked one, but he was still not very um, friendly and, uh, He's very selfish man. One was very selfish and the other one was a selfish in a different way, right? And the other one is awful to this day. But I just remember humanizing her when I saw the way she treated them and still let them come in the house and do the things that they did and say the things that they said to my mom and disrespect in that way because my grandma was still like, these are her children. Mm-hmm. And I just never understood this. So that was the moment for me when she was humanizing my eyes. It's just, yeah. Ooh, child. Because mm-hmm. I'm glad you started with grandmothers because them grandmothers yeah. tell the story. They set the tone for the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like how you view your mom because what humanizes your mother is that thinking about her childhood, that thinking about what made her into the woman mm-hmm. that she was, at least that is for me, you know, really looking at what my mom had to deal with, who she grew up with, what were the rules, what was the thinking, what were the experiences. And that really kind of started with my Nana. Again, it's interesting because all of the things that were quote unquote imperfect about her, they make sense in context after you get older. You get older, you start to think you don't like it, Mm -hmm. but you're like, oh, okay. You think about the circumstances of their existence. You think about all of these things instead of just who you are in this house at this moment, providing and caring for me or my brothers and sisters or whatever the case may be. The situations and the circumstances of their life have a really big factor in who they are and why they are the way they are. Because mm-hmm. Jill, when you said the thing about your grandma, it's so interesting because although I know my grandmother was a sexual person, when you said that thing about your grandma and the orgasm, in my grandmother's later years, I would frequently ask her about sex. And I swear to God, she had a whole silly perspective like, ah, I could, uh. it was. My mom and my grandmother actually never talked about that ever. So this was a big moment for my mother to gear up. She said she had been working on the question for days. Wow. And she's like, I'm not going to have a lot of time to ask questions that I really want to know. Right. She said she held her breath for a while and then she just, Mom, um, can I ask you? You know, my grandmother's 5'9", my mother's 6'1", and my grandmother was very weak at the end. You know, but still, my mother was afraid to ask her this very important question to her. And nonetheless, you know, she was so pleasantly surprised to know that her mother had had a full existence. You know, that she actually was happy and enjoying her humanity. But so interesting, she had to wait that late. She was scared to have that conversation. Because, yeah. My mom, I believe, when I think about my mom and grandmom, I think there was just so many secrets between them. Mm. Things that they both knew, but they just did not talk about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And But there was just like a deep, deep abiding love. Like, I mean, just that I didn't understand outside of the context of, she sometimes ain't nice to you. You Mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. But it was like they had between them these agreements these contracts and understandings mm-hmm. that were beyond my understanding when I was younger. And even when I was in my 20s, I didn't fully understand. How about now as a mom? Oh, I fully, I fully understand it. 
I am absolutely tapped into what that was about. Mm-hmm. My Nana desired a life and never allowed herself to fully be swallowed by her circumstances. She fought and resisted many times towards the situations that should have boxed her in. Mm-hmm. Choices that she made in love and choices she made in making my mother. And we talked about putting our family business out there, but I'm going to speak on this. My mother had written a book, which she um, never completely finished, but this story is in the book and my grandmother has since passed. So I'm going to speak on it and may my family forgive me if they have an issue, but you know, I'm grown. Come see me. What I will say is that my Nana did have an affair and that the identity of my mother's father came into question. I don't want to really rest on that. What I want to rest on is that there was a lack of love in her life and there was a lack of understanding in her life. And she had been pulled from childhood into womanhood, into motherhood. Mm -hmm. And she desired that connection and love and she fought to get it. Yeah. Now, was she completely altogether in her decisions Were they quote unquote, right, wrong, ethical, whatever, whatever. Maybe they were, maybe they were not depending on who was having the conversation. But this was her way. My grandmother had, you know, relationship with a man when I was a young person. You know, my grandfather had passed or whatever, but she had a, she had a boyfriend. But it wasn't even just her relationships with men, but it was also she worked. She worked jobs she loved. She exercised. Mm. She played with us. She gardened. She had hobbies. She loved her kids. She enjoyed holidays. Like she would play games with us like during Christmas time. My Nana wouldn't just buy us gifts. She would play like Price is Right and What's Behind Door Number Two and, and all these kinds of things with us as kids. So her thirst for life, that's something that I understood was behind a lot of her decisions. Her relationship with my mother was probably you know, more about the fact that my mother and many Black folks have this issue and Black mothers have this issue. My mother had opportunities she did not. Mm. My mother could have life that she had to fight for. Mm -hmm. My mother could just have. Mm -hmm. My mother, she would glow from the inside. I can imagine for a person who had to fight for glow and fight for light that they couldn't always be as receptive to that light. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably some resentment there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. To see someone, to, to want something so bad and then to see it in somebody else that you gave birth to and they're just doing it so effortlessly. Like as yeah. much as you may obviously love your child at the same time, you're like, damn, you know, you just glowing all around here and I had to hustle and work for it and cry over it and, and toil and stress out. Fuck you, man. You know what I mean? Like somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Like it's easy to, the women in my family, I find myself, they're literal sheroes to me. Like my grandmother, she, the house caught on fire and she got some of her children out, but there was, the baby was still in there, sleep. He must, my uncle must've been about mm, maybe seven months she was mm-hmm. she was downstairs with the other children, so she got them out. And then when she ran back in to get her baby, the firefighters held on to her, and they were like, oh, you can't go in there. It's over. You can't go in there. I'm sorry, ma'am. She fought off five men and got in that house and came mm. out with no eyebrows and no eyelashes. 
mm. with her son alive. Those are the women. And mm-hmm. you look at these heroes, you look at these strong, powerful women, and, you know, particularly mothers and grandmothers that we're talking about right now, and you, you think you can't live up to that kind of greatness or that kind mm-hmm. of presence. You know, it's easy to get trapped into your light or you're not like your mom. So you can rebel. You can actually rebel against your own greatness because you don't think that you have what your mother has. It can happen. Yes, and it's the flip side too of like, because our mothers and grandmothers had to have this this upper strength and this lower strength and this middle strength, Mm. there are uh, some things that fell to the wayside. You now can see clearer as a grown up yourself. You know what I mean? Especially in the the lane of advice and in relationships, especially in relationships. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I think that it's very, it's interesting. I think, I think for me, I don't know about you, Jill, but I know I'm, my mom is single. I think for you, Asia, when your mom passed, she was single. Mm-hmm. My mom is single. Right. And same thing for my, my grandmom. So I, I, it's interesting in this, in this conversation when we were first talking about it and having, I thought about like the moment too, when I had to not go a hundred percent with every piece of advice that was given to me mm. in certain realms where they may have not, excuse me, look around and see if she's listening, excelled or, uh, I don't want to say excelled or at least been in a place that I want to be. Oh, my mother straight up told me. You better preach I got today. to a point, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen, Laia. Yeah. What I'm saying is, my mom straight up told me, I got to a point in my marriage, I came to her and I said, listen, I, I don't know what to do by X, Y, Z. She said, sweetheart, You've been married longer than I was. Ooh. Whoa. I said, oh. Right. Oh. <laughs> she, better than, she better than a lot of moms, yep. Asia, because a lot of moms okay. would have been like, well, let me yep. tell you what to do. I <laughs> was like, oh, shit. Okay. Because, um, you know, so. I have I have some, some friends where their mothers really are haters when it comes to love and relationships. Talk about mm. it, Jill. They really it. are. Like, they, they, they sabotage their daughter's mm. thoughts. Because they are by themselves and they don't want to be. Or I don't know if that's what it is. Or they're just thinking, or I've been down this road, so I know okay. everything. That's and he it. ain't nothing. Yeah. I can tell by the way he walks. Mm. Like, you, uh-huh. you don't know that, you know, he had surgery on his foot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just, you jumping. Uh, like, come on, mom. Like, mama, that's the gangrene. <laughs> like, like, give him a shot, man. Just, <laughs> just give him a shot. That's an interesting moment in your heart space. I don't know about y'all, but that moment when you like, Okay, mom, listening with one ear. Yeah, I don't know. want. I don't want to do this. Like I, you know, I have a, a son, so it's, it's it's different. Even with my mentees, I'm like, listen, I don't know everything, boo. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. I'm, I don't want you to make the mistakes I made, but maybe I do because they got me here. Right. Everything yeah, right. is going to get you where you want to be, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. And that's game. You might as well hold on to that. Put that in your pocket. You're going where you're intended. You are absolutely Mm -hmm. going. I will tell y'all that one of the moments that humanized my mother was the first time she cussed out a boyfriend. The first time she cussed out a boyfriend. And I was like, you were more stressed over this than I am. I've never seen you. And and I'm going to have a whole honest moment, and I hope she ain't listening. That moment when she called me a fucking pussy because I 
was not reacting the way that she thought I should. And I'm not talking about being 20. I'm talking about post 30. Where did you feel that? So many places, Jill. (laughs) In my spirit, in my chest, like I, it was just a moment of like, damn, um, okay, mom, I I love you. I, I don't like this person. Damn, am I really a pussy because I'm not losing my whole mind and cussing this Negro out as he takes his things out of the house? Like, that was a humanizing moment of like, okay, the she is she and, and me is me. And you have to decide, to, number one, if that's what you, what you, that's what you want to be. Yeah. yeah. And, if that's know, what you want for you. Yeah. We'll be back after the break. Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off, no dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian cocktail maker, it's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all natural bitters, so dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. I've, I've seen a lot of sisters that, that really try to be their moms, but I think it's mostly because they don't know who they are. You know, like you're you're really blessed when you get a chance to know your mama, mm-hmm. to to know her insides. Okay, for instance, my girlfriend right now, excuse me, she has um 
dealing with cancer and um, double mastectomy kept coming back. And she called me yesterday to tell me that she was feeling so ugly because of scars. And when I tell you the woman is absolutely stunning, like she's just stunning. Mm -hmm. She really is. Always has been skin, just ugh, beautiful woman. She's blessed to, to have two little girls and a husband that is positively there for her. And mm. I told her, because uh, I, I don't know what to do. I have to pray before I speak often. And I said, okay, I'm, this is what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to write all of this down. I don't want you to start talking about your scars and what makes you feel ugly in front of your girls. You cannot do that. But what you can do is make a journal and let them know who you are at this time because they're, they're young. And when they turn 18, this is a book that they're allowed to read. Because they'll think about all the wonderful times, you know, when mom made the Halloween costume and when mom made the dinner and when mom cheered me at the game and when mom did it, they had, they'll have no idea, you know, if this is the route that you're going to take, they'll have no idea what you withstood. This will be a testimony of strength to your daughters. Do that. Mm -hmm. Do that. I can't change anything for you. I wish I could. And I, I absolutely respect your strength and that you're thinking I don't want to beat myself up in front of my girls because that that's something that we pass down to our, our daughters. You know, if you don't mm -hmm. care for yourself too much or like yourself too much, there's a big chance that your daughter mm -hmm. won't, too, you mm -hmm. know. So that mm -hmm. was that mm -hmm. was my little suggestion. And, and I, I hope that that helps move her forward. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, kind of, you know, like I told you, like my, my mother had written this book. I've read it. I know, but I knew a lot of the stories in it already. Like, I do think that my mother having told me so much about who she was as a person is an amazing gift. I agree. It, it really has changed me. It, ha it has it shaped and molded me in ways that I just I can't even put my finger on. You know what I mean? Just having some sense of her humanity. That's one thing I have to say I've really been very in touch with is my mom's humanity quite a bit. And it helped me a lot in grieving her when she was not here in the physical. My mother had cancer. And, um, you know, she beat that pussy twice. <laughs> She's doing well. I'm very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. She didn't share much of that with me. I think because, you know, I'm the breadwinner of my family. So I think she kind of just wanted me to, you know, stay focused and to um, to just keep moving and motivated. Like I was auditioning for the number one ladies detective agency when we found out my mother had cancer. Mm -hmm. And when I got it after the six auditions, she was like, you go. This is an incredible opportunity. I want you to go. And I was like, Mom, but 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 she said, you got some money, right? I was like, well, yeah. She's like, well, put some on me. <laughs> you know, make sure I'm straight and oh, go right. ahead and do what you're going to do. She said, on me. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> As my, my girlfriend Alex said, she said, put some money on it. Put some money on it, whatever that <laughs> mm -hmm. thing is. So, yeah, that first time, you know, she was able to do surpass it, and, and she has since. But we actually haven't had much conversation about that. Because sometimes I think our moms are so strong that, you know, they don't tell. They don't say. 
the the heartaches and the troubles and strifes or or no. you know they don't share that and for you Aja to have a mom to be so open uh, my my mother's way more open than my grandmother was but yeah. for you to to know your mother um that that breathes life into your humanity that that is I think I I going to shout out your mom cuz I I think you're an incredible woman mm-hmm. I am proud to know you Oh yeah yeah man that's I tell my mom. I'm like, mom, you know, I'm only, I only take a relationship advice from Asia because you know it's about goals. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it really is Asia. It's just, it really is. <laughs> it really is. You know, it's just a you know. This is the part where I deflect. My mom always kind of always believed in love. She really did. Mm. And you talked about heroes, and for me, like she was my hero because I knew how many things could have ruined that for her. Like, I, I know all of the things that happened to her that, that could have destroyed her belief in love and the fact that she continued to. And then it's so funny because, like, the things that people go through, they can they can become, like, their superpower. You know what it, I mean? Uh-huh. Oh. And so it's interesting that as mothers, that mothers can go down multiple paths. You know, you it, it's hard to say which path your mom will go down. She's a human. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting at my mother's service, my son, all these people got up. And I told you that the, the way the day that we put my mother to rest was an absolute amazing day. I know that sounds crazy, but that day was actually one of the most beautiful days of my life. The day we laid my mother to rest. We all wore white. And I didn't even understand the significance of that till later, but we all wore white and everyone who came and the amount of people who spoke to this part of her. So people will have tons of stories about a person. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this same kind of theme came back up many times about who she was and her belief in love, her ability to love, and that that was her power. And my son said, you know, I want to be like grandma. Oh. Like, I, I want to be like that. And I said to him, I think that's beautiful, son, but I want you to be that way. But I also want you to understand the pain grandma had to experience in her life in order for her to have that perspective. It has been a gift to know her as a woman. And I do think that that is something that's a gift you can give your children and the young women in your life, because you don't want to send them out in the world with this false kind of sense of what it is to be a woman Mm -hmm. and and tied into those ridiculous and illusion Mm -hmm. about what womanhood is and what that looks like. And for us as black women, we're just so inundated with so much fuckery about what that is that I'm grateful to have had that. But again, I didn't know always that that's what that was. When I was a kid, I used to think of my mom as a pushover. I was very aggressive in my late teens and early, I mean, in my early 20s, even after I got married. Because you're a pimp. Yeah, and I had to pimp out like that. That Pimps are hurt people. You understand what I'm saying? A, 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 A pimp is not a person who, you know, should be admired. I was like that because I was trying not to be a fool for love. Because I was thinking, you know, very much like, you know, I don't, I didn't want to be like my mom at that time in my life. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I didn't understand that what she had was some fabulous shit. Okay, so my mom stopped working when I was 14. She came home one day and she just was like, "Mm -mm, I don't want to do that no more. And I thought we were doing really, really well. I mean, I was 
I, I thought we were doing great, as a matter of fact. You know, there was food in the house. I had some clothes, not a lot, but I had some. And, you mm-hmm. know, I thought we were doing well. And my mother, you know, just really did not go back to work. Odds and ends here and there. She would take up something immensely creative. And she one day she jumped up and, and went to the docks at four o'clock in the morning, came back with more fruit than anybody could ever eat. And I was like, what is going on? My grandmother and I just looking at each other like, what's happening? And if she had spent her last and she decided that she was going to make smoothies, that she had gotten these books. I mean, I'm talking North Philly. I'm talking 80s smoothies. So she decided she was going to make smoothies and she was going to sell them for $10 in North Philly. And I was like, crazy, but not really because that's what they cost. They cost now. Okay. So the first day or so, you know, she started handing them out, handing them out to people. I'm telling you, within three days' time, I was headed out for school, 6 a.m. My bus came at 610, and I like to meander a little bit. I could hardly get down my steps. There was a line around the block. I said, what's going on? Oh, I'm coming to get some of your um, your mom's smoothies. Uh, I I had one in the morning, and I didn't have to eat again all day long. I said, what? Yeah, this is how I'm going to lose my weight. Oh, this is, oh, your mom's smoothies made me feel like, what she put in there? Everybody's talking about my mother's smoothies. All of a sudden, she has a business. She, She did that until she was finished. With it. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> no, more no more smoothies. And we've been back from, it was like feast or famine. And we went back to famine. Listen, having a sense, being a kid and seeing someone with that kind of freedom in their mind and heart It's fantastic. And, spirit, yeah. and the that know-how right there, that's to golden. do it. She decided mm-hmm. to make pants once. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. a whole neighborhood is walking around in my mother's pants. It was like that with the address signs. It was like that. Mm-hmm. She found a piece of furniture. She brought this thing home and and bought a sander and she taught me how to stain in polyurethane. And she Uh she got this thing and it was something somebody had painted white and it was it was a dresser. It looked crappy. She got all the paint off of it. It was beautiful wood underneath. She sanded it. She sold that thing for I think fourteen hundred dollars. Come on. You know, this is this is who my mother is. Mm-hmm. But the sporadic nature of it all is why I have five, six, seven, eight, nine jobs. Right. Because the in between, the lean times were lean. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. lean. Like how yeah. you gonna get to school? What what are you gonna yeah. eat today? Like, Damn, you know. That's... So this is why. And I love to be creative. I love to do things that give me joy, but I also don't want to go through the lean times if I can manage it because part of me psychologically fears it, which is why there is Costco and I are really great friends because I overcompensate because I remember Mm -hmm. that. And I remember the trays, you know, the baskets where people would drop off food and stuff. This is so fascinating because I just, it's so many different moms with so many different stories. I'm like, 
Now you make me think of my mom and how she did the flip side where she decided to skip her dreams and just dedicate her life to United Airlines for 45 years because she wanted to keep her daughter in private school. And mm-hmm. she, although I have the best daddy in the damn world, he wasn't always the most financially stable daddy in the whole damn world. So she wanted to make sure that I had the clothes and I had a home and I lived in these certain places. And so here she is now retired, like, I'm taking real estate classes. I want to sell homes because I've always had a passion for homes and decorating and things like that. Mm. I'm just like, wow. Like if only you would have had a moment and not for nothing. I, I thank her for those years because of that, I wouldn't have seen the world if mm-hmm. not for those. And those free tickets. Years. Man. That's I, mean. I wouldn't have met, met Jill Scott in Montreux, Switzerland. How about that? If not for that. You know what I'm saying? Wonderful. But it's, it's just mom stories and just a different route of sacrifice that they make. And, and, and to my mom, it's funny because I was like, damn, I was feeling bad because I'm like, I, I told the story of how she cussed out the boyfriends. But I understand all that because my mom has one child. She has one daughter. She is the biggest warrior for me. I will go through beasts with friends and she continues them on. Even though we have, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is, that is is who my mother is. Mom said you can't cut off my ride or die. You can't cut it off. Once you turn that faucet on. She said, wait a minute, ain't that the one? Was it, what was it, five, six, 17 years ago? Didn't she say... I ain't gonna lie she to y'all. She showed that's you me. who she was. That's me as a mother. I won't lie, to y'all. That's me as a mother. That's what's up. I I call people raggedy. Who who that? Who that? That's that raggedy girl. Mm-hmm. That's that raggedy. Ni- I mean, yep. boy. Mm-hmm. You know, we like, ain't beefing no more. But that don't matter. I remember what she did. Don't matter. Though. He can't come over did? my threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. Yeah. I love it though. But you know, if I didn't have that kind of relationship with my mom, where it helped me with my own kid really for real for real Uh in a lot of ways because my mother's acceptance of me helped me when I had to really kind of dig deep for my own daughter and um, I I was really kind of messy as a teenager you know just really all over the place you know what I'm saying and like was really a smart I was like the kid that that the teachers couldn't stand because it's like you know she's smart but she like is checked out Uh you know what I mean like so they would call my mom and like, can we just get her to focus for like four months? And, and the gag <laughs> so, is the but this kid I got, I'm serious, man. I grieved my mother hard because I needed to find out where she got the ability to accept me the way that she did. Mm. Because <laughs> I, when I needed it, I needed it for my own kid. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was so stressful for me because I was like, this is the moment where I need to lay in her lap. And ask her, yo, what do I do with this girl? Uh-huh. How do I love her? You know what I'm saying? But I had mentioned this to you guys before that, again, my mom always used to think that she was too soft. That was like my whole thing was, she's great at love, but too good. Like, you don't have enough boundaries, sis. But it was my mother's ability to radically love uh. that eventually helped me save my relationship with my own daughter. Because I knew I was able to remember the type of compassion that she had for me. And it was like, this kid is you, sis. This is how you going to heal for real, for real. Uh, like, this is this mm. is where your healing is going to go to the bone marrow. It was like, you're going to have to have a radical compassion in this situation. You will have to love in a way that seems like, shouldn't I be disciplining this kid? Shouldn't I be mad? Shouldn't I be upset? Nah, sis. No, you should not. No, you should not. 
that's how my mother really changed my life. That's that power. Was when I realized that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 shit right there, and the turn that the women in this generation took. These boomer black women, mm-hmm. that how they took a very different approach to mothering. They did. Oh y- yes, I gotta give my mom and our moms credit on that one because yes, they did. Yes, I'm and just, very. Different. What's the difference? They they spoke to us more. <laughs> yeah, spoke. they spoke to us. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We could speak back. Yes. <laughs> Still not as much as these kids today, but more. Yeah. Wait, I don't know what you mean. I feel like they started the normalizing free Black children. The idea of raising free Black children. Black children in their minds, mm-hmm. not just their bodies. And, and parents I, who could be your friend, but still disciplinarians. The concept of being a friend and a disciplinarian, too, I think started with our parents. Amen. Fair. I, I totally agree with that. I don't think there was anything like that prior to their generation. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. very, very grateful for the many nights my mother and I shared drinking Manischewitz, <laughs> listening to <laughs> Millie Jackson. <laughs> Honey. Yes. First time I ever got high was with my mom. Listen, nice. I'm, yes, I'm grateful for those moments now that she's retired. Yes. Now mom I got to sneak my mom. I gotta, and grandma. I got to sneak mm-hmm. my mom with a little cookie, a little piece of candy or something. She's like, I really feel oh, nice. No, I feel like <laughs> my, mom's a lightweight, but we still... Thank God no, for her lightweightness tried, so I can dip into her stash. Yes, we tried to cook Thanksgiving dinner that night. Oh, <laughs> Talk about a hot-ass mess. The two of us trying to cook this food. I'm just going to put this out here. I tried to wash a turkey. Mm-hmm. Don't ever try to wash a turkey after getting high with your mama here. You, you tried just, to wash the turkey? How did you wash it, Aja? I left that thing in the sink. Cause I, <laughs> I couldn't pick it up because it was raw and it was big and it was heavy. It was slippery. And I was like, it's dead. It's dead. <laughs> My mom like, yeah, it's dead. Girl, watch that damn turkey and season it up. <laughs> Yo. I have to get up. She And she literally said this thing. I ain't getting out with you. Oh. Because <laughs> you a lightweight, Asia. Dang. My mama said, I'm not getting out with you. Your mama said you a lightweight. That's what she said. Yeah, she put me She she put me to bed. I, I, can, I have to, to sneak my mother. I can't do that. She's not interested <laughs> in that. She saw something terrible one time and believes that all all things will make you pull your skin off. Girl, I had, we had to hire roaches for my grandmother. She so. was at a party and saw somebody <laughs> use acid. And the lady ran into the ocean and started pulling her skin off. And my mother was like, drugs, all drugs, everything that's a drug. Well, that, that'll that fuck you up, though. She I mean, actually started trying yeah. to pull off her skin. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. Cool. yeah. To this day, like I, I, I say this because of my mother. I say this. If any time somebody tells you that I died of an overdose, know hmm. that they that's killed that somebody killed me. <laughs> I'm not the one. Because you can't overdose on weed. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. It wasn't me. I'm not the one. I'm not. Open up an investigation. You said pull skin off? Oh, no. That'd probably be me just by proxy. Like, I'm not interested. Don't you worry about it. Okay? Fear not. Mm Let me ask y'all this, though. As moms, do y'all think that, like, your kids are getting... I feel like, Asia, you kind of answered this question. But do you think that they're getting the most humanized version of you? Like, pure... For sure. I think they are, but they almost didn't, even though I had the background that I did. Hmm. Because Mm -hmm. the patriarchy is strong. 
You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's hard as a woman to fight that. A lot of times you you still do find yourself hiding your humanity from people because you think you're supposed to be strong and you're supposed mm-hmm. to handle everything. And that's mm-hmm. why I need. So I would be lying if I said I didn't buy into some of those things, even with my own children, mm-hmm. even though I had this positive experience with my mother, the world is very intense. Yes. So you tend to buy into those things, even though you have something to counteract it, which is why I'm always saying as a black person and parent, you have to kind of consistently be pushing back at the shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I went through that. I went through that. And I also went through the realization and the self-actualization that I said, OK, nah, these kids need to know you're a human being. You need mm-hmm. to set boundaries. You need to take care of yourself. And I'm lucky enough to have come up during the time where words like Mm self-care are part of our national vocabulary and our common vocabulary. So those are things I've been in. My mama said, what is trauma? What y'all talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 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 So, yeah. So yes and no. Yes. Kids benefited from from that, but I had to do the work still. See, that's the thing. It doesn't matter who your mama is or isn't. You can't really escape the work. The work is going to always that's be right. there. You know that's what I mean? Right. I think that Jed has benefited from me being whole around him. He asked me questions like, how did you rest? Hmm. He, he was like, you got a lot going on. I can see it in your face. There is mm. literally nothing that I can hide from that boy. Mm. What he, He'll ask me, mom, what is that? Looking me deep in my soul. And I'm like, what? He's like, that thing. It's bothering you, mom. I could see it. What is that? And I, I, I he freaks me out when he does it. Like, he's a really sweet and intense human being. And mm-hmm. I can't hide, even if I wanted to. He can see me. So, so in those moments, you never say, it's nothing, son. I don't, I won't do that. Because mm-hmm. that means I have to honor his instinct. And whatever right. gifts that have been given to my grandmother, you know, who could tell you somebody was calling before the phone rang and who it was, or my mother who can heal people with her touch and her words to mm-hmm. to me, whatever it is that I, I have, I don't want to negate it for him. He's absolutely right. There's a thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't even know what the thing is. I've got to look mm-hmm. and see what it is. And then we talk about it. Whatever it is, I need him. It's important that he be able to speak his mind and him share whatever's going on in him. I need him to know that he's all right Mm -hmm. because these kids now, you know, a lot of young people are taking their lives. And because of bullying, because of not being able to keep up in school or or whatever the case may be, it's happening a lot where I am. And I just, you know, I want to make sure that I'm super present in his emotional growth and his spiritual growth, you know, his mental growth. I want to be there for that. So him seeing me stressed out and me taking deep breaths or me taking a walk or him walking with me and I'm like, I just don't want to talk right now. And he's like, Mm -hmm. ooh, okay. You know, for him to see it, to know that, that sometimes I'm not all right. Sometimes I'm really upset. Sometimes I'm mad, you know, Mm -hmm. or scared. Mm-hmm. Just or having an anxiety attack because these things occurred too. Amen. I had my oldest child read me, girl, like a book. Mm. Right at, like I said, it, it, so, so many things came to light after my mother passed. But I will have to say that it was that experience also that showed me how it was important even more so than I had been doing 
that my children saw my humanity, that they saw the grieving process and they understood what that was and how you didn't come out of it and move through it. You know what I mean? And so that was really a great learning tool for us. Whereas sometimes the trauma of a parent can break everything down. Mm -hmm. But if it's used as a learning and a teaching moment, it can be really, really profound for your children to see you in that way. But even before there is some sort of calamity in the everyday calamities, I I think it is so profound that you're saying, hey, you know, I I need some room. I'm not in. I can't talk to you right now. Mm -hmm. And those are those are boundaries that I learned over time to do. Because there was always that little voice, that little, little guy. Little that you have to be just right. And you have to be perfect. Says, and you have to be present. You have to be there. You have to be present all the time. But I'm so totally excited. And engaged. I really so feel excited. like that that's the, I'm sorry, um, Laia, forgive me. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, I'm excited for y'all. I mean, I don't know if, if motherhood is in the future for me, whatever. But for y'all, I'm excited because I see you as humans and as mothers and developing these human relationships with your kids. And I know for one thing that me and my mom, that's the one thing that we do have. And in the sense of knowing when something's going on with your mom without her even saying it, I will say that in the last years of my grandma, my grandma passed a couple of years ago at 93 and she was going through Alzheimer's for, you know, five years before that. But I was living in California, FaceTiming my mom every day, making sure things were good. But I knew looking at her face when it was time for me to jump on a plane. You know what I mean? And so I look at y'all and I go, this is this is going to be so great for the future because it's going to it's just going to be so great for the bond and for what's to come as they get older and as you get older and not having to even say things and them just being there for you, you know. I want to say two things, my dear. Number one, I want to tell you, friend, you Uh-oh. were absolutely incredible with your grandmommy. You were you were so present and so loving, and you had fun. And she laughed with you and she danced. And it was great as a woman to see you that way and to see her that way. You did a wonderful job. I know you know, but I'm I'm just throwing it out there so you just to make Thank sure you. to ensure that you know. I enjoyed it. You did. I mean having time it. with three generations of your family of women in one room. And that's why I used to post it all the time because I wanted people to understand, you know, I was blessed because I know everybody who goes through Alzheimer's is not always a joyous thing. Like that doesn't always turn you into a joyous person. My grandmother was not as joyous as she was when she had Alzheimer's. Like <laughs> but right. That time that you spend, that time that I spent touching her face and like kissing her and her like holding me in the bed at night, I just want to always encourage people that that is like stuff that makes me so close to her now where I know I talk to her like she here, like it's nothing. I can feel her on my face. I feel when she's kissing me. I talk to her when I get blessings because I know you over there in his ear. I hear you, you know, so I'm sorry. But I mean, but thank you. So I'll just say that to please love on your, your, your elders. Just love them up. And... And sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't you dare. Don't You don't have to apologize for anything. You just don't. And what you said, Aja, is, is everything. When you share your humanity with your children, you free them. You free them. And that yeah. deep kind of unfiltered, unwavering mm-hmm. love, that's what we need as parents. And it's yep. not easy, but it really is worth the trip. We'll be back after the break. 
love popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian cocktail maker, it's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all natural bitters, so dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Coming up next on the show, what's on your heart? An occasional segment where we check in with people we respect about how they're really feeling. Hold on, y'all. I think there's somebody calling. That must mean it's time for What's on Your Heart. Hey, y'all. Well, see, the thing is, this woman is a scholar and an activist whose life work is to develop innovative solutions to challenges facing the poor, particularly Black mothers and their children. That person is Dr. Janice Dias. Janice Johnson Dias. But in my life, she's the age of whisperer. So you all will get an opportunity to, to hang with her on today. And also, too, she's an author. She's a Ph.D. She's the mother of Marley Dias, who is the Thousand Black Girl Books young activist. Don't forget to drop it, Asia. And the author of Parent Like It Matters, How to Raise Joyful Change-Making Girls. That's what happens when you guys trust me with the intro. I leave the important stuff out. That's why y'all got to stop 
giving me these responsibilities. I just what you said was important to us. That's all. It was important to us. Exactly. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am delighted to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. I listen to the show. As Asia know, I have lots of thoughts on the show on every episode. I have extra thoughts on everything. So I am excited to be here. There's a lot of things on my heart today, but probably the biggest one is I've been thinking about the power of socialization, the power of our childhood and the stuff that we learn as children and how they stay with us, particularly the things that we love and the things that we found challenging about our parents. And, you know, like we get to a certain age and we wonder why we're behaving like our parents and why we take on their attributes, et cetera. And I just keep thinking about What kids are exposed to, the values, the ideas, the practices in their household, and how that just takes a hold of you at this deep, deep level and doesn't let you go. And for me, this is important because, you know, I'm interested in children and their development. I'm also interested in how we create more generations of children who are going to positively impact the world. And if your early socialization says that the notions of justice and truth and morality are just about you and yours, then we really don't end up getting people who are really invested in reorganizing or restructuring the world. And so that early engagement is kind of become obsessive to me about what we're showing our kids and what we're saying to them really early on about what they should value and what our own actions, the things that we do, what messages our children extract from watching us do those things. So that that's probably the biggest thing on my my head today, because I watched my husband do some stuff and I was like, mm, <laughs> you must have learned that real early. You must have learned that real early. And I watched myself do stuff and I know I learned it real mm. early. And I didn't let it go. Like, my whole framework for the work I do isn't because I have a PhD. It's my grandmother, right? My grandmother, when I was a kid, my grandmother had this particular practice. There were 13 of us living in Retreat St. Mary. And she and my grand aunt and my aunt Joyce. Girl, please tell these people where Retreat St. Mary is in. So I was born in St. Anne's Bay Hospital in Jamaica. And I grew up in a town of 433 people in Retreat St. Mary. And I lived for the first nine years of my life, 10, Hmm. without electricity, running water, indoor running water, indoor plumbing, et cetera, and walked, you know, somewhere between three to five miles each day to school. So when Dr. Janice says, I used to walk barefoot in the snow, well, not the snow, because that's Jamaica. In the sand. When when, when, when Dr. Janice tells that story, she's telling the real story. Like the rest of us is just BSing. So in, in 1980, we moved to Kingston with indoor plumbing and electricity, et cetera. But I grew up where we salted the meat in order to have it for the next day where the kitchen outside where my grand aunt and my cousins, we cooked and we had rabbits and chickens and the cows you had to. And before school, you wake up, you get a cup of mint tea, you walk a couple of miles, you have to go tend to things, you come back in, you have planted avocado, a piece of hard old bread and some tea, and then you walk to school. So there were 13 of us. And um. We were privileged, right? <laughs> which is funny to say. We were supremely God. privileged because we owned the land we lived on. 
and we had more wow. resources than many. So before dinner every night, my grandmother would have us paired up, those of us who were like five or six and younger, and then my older brothers, my brothers are eight and six years older than me, we had to deliver food to people in the community. She told us they were our family. We had more resources than them because we had cattle, we had um, land. So, you know, like you grow cocoa, banana, plant and all of that stuff. They would make the dinner and we take it to people. And you had to do that before you could eat your dinner. So you do that. You walk a mile or two, you drop off the food, you come back and then you can eat dinner. And when my grandmother died, all these people were at the church. We went to an Anglican church in retreat. And I was joking with my mother. I was like, yo, don't these people know how to use a condom? Like, why do we have so many people in this family? Right? And my mother said to me, they're not family. I was like, so you're telling me, Mr. Man, my whole life, go give these people food. And I am not related to them at all. And she's like, no, it was the tradition of her mother before her and her mother right. before her, that if you have surplus, you share, right? And so I think about the work that I do now that people attribute to a whole host of things. And I think about that early, that early training of what it means to be in community with people and to share your surplus. And so those are the things that stay on my mind. The, what, like, what, what values do we learn really early and how we end up expressing them. And I'm just grateful that the value of reciprocity, generosity, and community was one that was mm -hmm. so central to my development that now I can operationalize it by forming foundations, raising a kid, building stuff. So that's what's on my mind. Wow. Yes. Let me ask you this. So the, a big catchphrase right now or a thing that people are hearing a lot is, I want to raise free Black children. And it's kind of vague for me to be honest, trying to wrap my mind around what does a free black child look like? What do they sound like? How do they walk? How do they talk? And I just am curious to hear, what does this free black child look like to you? No, I mean, I don't, I don't yes. actually don't think about free black children very much. I really think about free black adults. Mm. And I just don't think you can have free black children without adults being free. Because if adults are in bondage, quite frankly, how can their children be free? Literally just sitting here thinking that I was like, am I free? Hmm. Hmm. Adults need to be in the business of trying to be free. And one of the ways mm -hmm. I think adults, particularly black folk, got to think about freedom is one, they need an operative definition that you can actually agree upon. Right. Yes, please. Amen. Yes. yes. Amen. You know, individual families can have notions of freedom. For, for many Black communities and Black members, freedom is having enough money, right? So, like, there's economic... Mm -hmm. and, and clearly, you can't I be free without economic liberty. Like, you, you, if you can't afford to eat and grow and take care of yourself, then I don't, I don't know how freedom is particularly possible. That's why freedom and economic justice have to be linked um, but you need a yeah. kind of freedom in your soul, right? A free from bondage kind of stuff where when you lay at night, you feel peaceful, right? Like, so our work goes around this principle of ma'at. And in ma'at, it says, like, at the end of the night, your soul feel as light as a feather. 
And you have these 42 Mm. principles that you recite in the morning, right? And these principles says, it's a pledge. I affirm that I will not lie. I affirm that I will not engage in things that harm my community. I Mm. affirm that I will do these things. So you, you make this kind of promise each day. And at the end of the day, you then said to say, I did not lie. I did not harm. I did not Mm. do those things. So in that respect, your spirit is then filled with levity and it is light as a feather. So I think if individuals make a pledge in the morning to live a life of freedom. So I think if you do those things and then you'll feel really free to the idea that's in my head, which is like, then you pass that on. You you raise your children Mm. that way your communities that way, and then children grow into that. And then we can have aspirations for their life beyond this moment and for them to be free. But I think freedom should be a because goal. Because really at the end of the yes. day, it it's like the investment in their freedom is the investment in your own freedom. If you're not fully invested and engaged in that, then you're not doing this future work. You are not doing this future work. And for mm. us, for, for Black mothers... This is not the discussion. Come on now. This is not the discussion anyone was having with us prior to having any daggone children. No, this is not. Nobody's talking. So this book, I say a thing, which I know is going to be irritating, but is very important, is precisely that. I say you cannot have joyful change-making girls if you don't have joyful change-making parents particularly right. joyful change-making mamas. You're right. not, it's just not going to happen. It's not. Like, the do as I say, not as I do, that ain't going to work out. <laughs> right? It ain't going to work. <laughs> so if you want whatever you want for your children, you should be it. Come on, book. So you Woo. can model them. One more time, Mr. Whatever you want for your children, you need to be it so that they can see the model of what is possible. And that is very different from the way many of us were raised. And can I say this one little thing is that whatever you want to be, also you need to sort out what you want to be, Mm-mm. what you want your children to be. Because whatever it is you have to be, you you have to be that first, but make sure what you're trying Woo! to be, you just sorted that out. <laughs> you just sorted out. It is Okay? Because some of us be trying to be some shit we don't need to be trying to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to put that out there, okay? Some yes. of this... Sort it out. Sort it out. Take them slow, man. Take them slow. Whoa. I'm I'm telling you right now that that it feels like you just dropped a weight on my head and shoulders that is both terrifying and exciting. When somebody offers you freedom. (laughs) When somebody offers you freedom on a platter. Here it is. This is how you get it. You can have it, and your kids can have it too. That yo, I I I had to. I gotta hold myself. <laughs> hold, hold your mule, Jill. Hold your mule. I got to hold my hold mule. Your mule Good, girl. Goodness, it seems to reason out that accountability, accountability. It is. It, is it's your. It's everything. your story. Your children are in it. I mean, I think that the way that we've done parenting is to say that the kids are the star of the story. They're the protagonist. And you are somehow an extra in the story. Right? So we say, I gotta pour everything into my kid. I just gotta, Mm. I gotta pour it into, I'm doing it for my kid. And I'm like, you gonna have to be a leading main character in the story. 
And and that I think is hard because then you get to like be like the reason I'm working so late, the reason I'm doing all of this, the reason I'm not exercising, the reason I'm not sleeping is because I have to do this for my kid. Right. And so you get to underprioritize yourself and you get to feel pious and great because you did it all for your kids. And then those same children (laughs) don't want any of the things that you have done. Because they barely saw your ass. Yes. They always saw the back of your None head of walking out the door. Yeah. And the, you didn't you didn't sow <laughs> the seed you planted. So in the book, I have a chapter, the shortest chapter devoted to this thing called ACE, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I say you need to know your ACEs, right? You need to know where you experience some level of trauma. And I hmm. give an exercise. So each chapter has assignments and exercises. So you like them, you can go to them. You don't like that one, you can try another one, right? So every single chapter has it. And it teaches you how to go through your aces, know your aces, have an understanding of your aces. And once you've attended to them, then you're in a position to really find joy for yourself, right? Mm. And You can't aspire for people, even your children are people, right? Like once they leave you, they they own people. You can't aspire for people what you have not achieved for yourself. It is one of the things I say all the time about teachers, right? Like I tell teachers all the time, I was like, you can't inspire greatness. You are great, right? Like once you work on your greatness, then you can inspire greatness (laughs) in my kids, right? Like I need you to invest in your development. And I think institutions have to invest in teachers because they're trying to educate the next generation. So like, if you don't invest in teachers, then you're not going to get greatness out of your children. So I'm like, Mm ma'am, sir, you ain't great though. You're not imaginative or interested. So it's all right, right? So I think it's the same thing for caregivers. Caregivers want their children to be great. But I'm like, how are you great? I got to ask you this. We're talking about a lot of self-work and some people don't necessarily see that this kind of work is tied into let's say, public life. And I really want you to help us in this moment (laughs) to tie what it seems like a very personal investment into what that looks like. And let's say public health and law, politics and all these kinds of things. So how, how do we go out into the world and present this systemically? All right. So I make an argument that joyfulness is intricately linked to change making. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I, <laughs> right. So yeah, I, I'm listening. All right, I'm, I'm here. here. I'm here. We're here. We're here. We're right. here. So joyfulness, satellite right, work, soul work, the soul work, <laughs> is a work of gratitude. Like this is a work of gratitude. You're grateful okay. for, right? Grateful people are reciprocal people. Giving people. Because when you're grateful, you share. You have an abundance, right? Change-making is about reciprocity. It is about caring for and being connected to your community. So when you're giving, you are not giving in a way that says, well, now I got to help y'all because y'all suck. You're giving in an abundance framework. And therefore, you can think beyond this moment to think about how we can give to change structures. So let me walk you through just a little bit from a different angle. If you are joyful, if you have this internal 
optimism and gratitude and this feeling of reciprocity inside of you, you are also thinking about future generations to ensure that they also have it. So that is going to allow you to take stock of the inequities that are present. So you're going to take stock of racism, sexism, homophobia, ageism, ableism. And you're going to say that these things will interrupt people's ability to feel gratitude and reciprocal. And because you feel this way, this goodness, this internal goodness, you're going to want to be in relationship with other people who feel that community and connectedness. For change to occur, it requires that we are even more connected to people. So joyful people are connected people who have gratitudes and notion of reciprocity, who are thinking about ways to make the world and themselves better for the future. So by their very nature, they're committed to change making, which is what we call social activism, etc. But you cannot do that and have the optimism to keep doing it each day, to stand on the hill, to register people to vote, to change systems, to feed people, to fight racism, to rewrite, to sing songs that says that people matter, to love on each other, to hold each other's hand if you don't have that joy. So that's that to me Come is how that. Did, 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 did anybody else hear an explosion? I did. <laughs> Girl, that and, a t- and Teddy Pendergrass, I did. Ladies and gentlemen, I suggest that you wholeheartedly go back and listen to this particular conversation again. And and again. And again. And again. Switch your notebook. That's, that's the sound, that's the sound of I, ice. That's the sound of ice. I, I certainly will. I certainly will. <laughs> there are times when we get together and we have these conversations and we're all just going, going back and forth and throwing out ideas and thoughts and feelings. This is one where I just had to shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and listen. And that is an art of communication and an art of conversation. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing your insight. Dr. Janice Johnson. Diaz. God. God damn. Woo. Jamaica, Jamaica. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. What's up, y'all? It's Eves again, a producer on the show, and I am here to bring you the resources as usual. And today I'll give another shout out to Dr. Janice Johnson Diaz's book, which is fresh off the press. It's called Parent Like It Matters, How to Raise Joyful Change-Making Girls. And even if you don't have daughters or are not a parent, it can be a good tool to have in the tool shed if you are invested in self-development and soul work, as Dr. Johnson Diaz puts it. And of course, we can take the time to acknowledge that our mothers are whole human beings. All right, y'all, until next time. We want to thank you so much for listening to us today. It has been a pleasure. J.L. Don't laugh. I'm just being silly. Love y'all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Jill Scott Presents J.Ill, the podcast. Yeah.
This podcast is hosted by Jill Scott, Laia St. Clair, and Aja Graydon Dantzler. Its executive producers are Jill Scott, Sean G., and Brian Calhoun. It's produced by Laia St. Clair and me, Eve Jeffcoat. The editing and sound design for this episode were done by Christina Loringer. J.Ill is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And Hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.